this is Up Too Late, and I'm Teresa Zoe Williams. Welcome to the first episode in our summer series, Light Up the Night. Too much summer, too much fun, up too late. Over the next 15 weeks, we'll have a guest every week and giveaways, so stay tuned. This week, we have Caitlin Fasista of Tea with Tolkien joining us. I love Tolkien's works, but sometimes they're hard to get through. You know, in fact, after I read The Fellowship of the Ring, I had to take a break by reading The Brothers Karamazov. Karamazov? I don't know. I try, I've try. i been trying to pronounce this for like 13 years and I'm still second-guessing myself. Whatever. Anyway, so listen, I never said I was normal, okay? <laughs> Taking a break from Tolkien with Russians. But you know what? Anyway, I still haven't finished all of The Lord of the Rings. I know, I'm anathema, right? You can't be actually Catholic, let alone a Catholic bookworm, if you haven't finished Tolkien's work. This is why I'm friends with Caitlin, so I can get all the info I need without actually reading the books. It's like spark notes, but better. Innocent as doves and wise as serpents, am I right? But okay, many years ago, when I was first reading the saga, I was with some friends who started discussing Tolkien's work. The one guy, you know the type, he has to be the smartest guy in the room, always making you feel inferior. Well, this guy mentioned that the creation story in The Silmarillion was the most beautiful creation story he'd ever read. I said that I couldn't wait to read it, but that I was having a hard time getting through The Lord of the Rings. And then he said, If you can't even get through that, you'll never get through The Silmarillion. Don't even bother. The look of derision on his face also let me know that he thought I was too stupid to make it through these works. He also made fun of me for how I pronounced Karamazov, even though I'd never heard it aloud before. Apparently, hearing it aloud doesn't matter because I still can't nail it, unless I'm nailing it and I don't know it, but you know, whatever. So anyway, this guy was a real gem. I see him on Facebook every now and again. He's still the same old opinionated slightly condescending man he was years ago. You know, not that I've finished The Lord of the Rings or The Silmarillion yet either, but I'm closer. I got two chapters into The the Two Towers, and I've read the creation story in The Silmarillion now. So there. But it does make me think of a Taylor Swift song. Someday I'll be living in a big old city and all you're ever gonna be is mean. I hope you're listening to this. You know who you are. 2021, the year Teresa accomplishes everything anyone ever told her she couldn't. So stick that in your juice box and suck on it. Welcome to the show, everyone. Sometimes we're asked to do really hard things, like taking a ring to Mount Doom. Sometimes we're asked to do inconvenient things, like wearing a mask. COVID-19 is still a threat, so do yourself and your neighbors a solid and continue to wear a mask. Tonight's drink of the day is a cranberry and vodka. 
nice, refreshing drink for this arduous task of being a woman. Pinky's out. And now for our dramatic reading. This passage comes from J.R.R. Tolkien's The Two Towers books. I don't like anything here at all, said Frodo. Step or stone, breath or bone, earth, air, and water all seem accursed, but our path is laid. Yeah, that's so, said Sam. And we shouldn't be here at all if we'd known more about it before we started. But I suppose it's often that way. The brave things in the old tales and songs, Mr. Frodo, adventures as I used to call them, I used to think that they were things that wonderful folk of stories went out and looked for because they wanted them, because they were exciting and life was a bit dull, a kind of sport, as you might say. But that's not really the way of it with the tales that really mattered or the ones that stay in mind. Folk seem to have just been landed in them, usually. Their paths were laid that way, as you put it. But I expect that they had lots of chances like us of turning back, only they didn't. And if they had, we shouldn't know, because they'd have been forgotten. We hear about those as just went on, and not all to a good end, mind you. At least, not to what folk inside a story and not outside it call a good end. You know, coming home and finding things all right, though not quite the same, like old Mr. Bilbo. But those aren't always the best tales to hear, though they may be the best tales to get landed in. I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. I wonder, said Frodo, but I don't know. And that's the way of a real tale. Take any one that you're fond of. You may know or guess what kind of tale it is, happy ending or sad ending, but the people in it don't know, and you don't want them to. No, sir, of course not. Baron, now, he never thought he was going to get that Silmaril from the Iron Crown in Thangorodrum, and yet he did. And that was a worse place and a blacker danger than ours. But that's a long tale, of course, and goes on past the happiness and into the grief and beyond it. And the Silmaril went on and came to Arendil. And why, sir, I never thought of that before. You've got some of the light in it, that star glass that the lady gave you. Why, to think of it, we're in the same tale still. It's going on. Don't the great tales never end? No, they never end as tales, said Frodo, but the people in them come and go when their parts ended. Our part will end later or sooner. And then we can have some rest and some sleep, said Sam. He laughed grimly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just that, Mr. Frodo. I mean, plain ordinary rest and sleep and waking up to a morning's work in the garden I'm afraid that's all I'm hoping for all the time. All the big important plans are not from my sort. Still, I wonder if we shall ever be put into songs or tales. We're in one, of course, but I mean put into words, you know, told by the fireside or read out of a great big book with red and black letters years and years afterwards, and people will say, Let's hear about Frodo in the ring. And they'll say, Yes, that's one of my favorite stories. Frodo was very brave, wasn't he, Dad? Yes, my boy. The famousest of all hobbits. And that's saying a lot. Thanks for joining us tonight, Caitlin. <laughs> so, now that you're here, now that we've got you, 
What's going on at Tea with Tolkien this summer? Oh man, so we are currently finishing up our Silmarillion book club and then I'm going to be taking a break over the summer as I get ready for our fall book club where we are reading The Lord of the Rings. Oh, super fun. So you're kind of on a a schedule with this, like one fall into spring, you'll do The Lord of the Rings and then you'll switch and the next time do the Silmarillion. That's how it is for now. Yeah. I just need a break. (laughs) These book clubs are pretty intense. Yeah. I, uh, I moderate the discord for it and whoo, they, Mm -hmm. those are some nerdy nerds. Yes. I love nerds. (laughs) I can't hold up at all (laughs) to them, (laughs) but I learned so much, which is great. Yes. They're all so passionate and everyone's very involved and excited. So it's really, um, it's really like a beautiful experience, but it's very, it's a lot. So I'm excited to take the summer off mostly, um, and then come fall ready for Lord of the Rings, especially, um, since a lot of people, this was their first Silmarillion read along. So we're going to be reading it with all of that perspective which is going to make it mm. more fun. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait until I someday have finished both of these. <laughs> uh, shout out to you though, because your your book that you wrote on, on the Lord of the Rings has really helped me in understanding and being able to um, read them with more engagement, which is what I was missing before. Um, like I've read just the fellowship, um, so far and part of the Silmarillion. Um, and I was describing it once. It's kind of like, you have to take everything that you've learned with you the entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just keeps building upon itself, which is really cool. And something that I love about Tolkien, but also it's very hard if, uh, if you're doing this for the first time or you don't really have any sort of perspective on it. Um, so I think what you're doing is really great. I'm very glad that you're giving yourself a rest though. Um, man, what a year it's been. Oh yeah. Um, So where can people find that book club in the fall? Where can they sign up for it? Um, everything is at my website, teawithtolkien.com and you will see a little book club tab over there. So what you do is you just sign up with your email address and then you get all the links and I'll send you the weekly updates and everything like that. Perfect. So guys, you have something to look forward to. We're not just doing summer fun, but we are gearing you up for the fall. Um, I will have Caitlin's website in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. Um, So now, now that we know what's going on with Tea with Tolkien, we are going to do the top 10. So this week I've asked Caitlin to rank a list of Tolkien characters from 10 to one. So this is Caitlin's top 10 Tolkien characters that Teresa told her to choose from. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) it's a very limited list in scope. It's very specific. Yeah. Yeah. These are just characters that I wanted to know where Caitlin would put them. (laughs) <laughs> so here's what she did. At number 10, we have Sauron. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't exactly sure, like, top 10 what? top. So I just oh, right, automatically yeah. went for top 10 of goodness. And so obviously Sauron is the least good of the True. lot that you gave me. So I placed him at number 10. 
I love that. Yeah. So I just, I texted Caitlin a list of characters and told her to just rank them. <laughs> so this, I didn't give her any context, nothing. <laughs> like if this were a list of most powerful, I think he would be higher in the list, but uh, Ooh, yeah. as he is lowest on the list of people that I like. So Caitlin is ranking these from least good to most good. Um, when I was picking out these characters, I kind of was thinking, oh, what are some really good characters? Not that all of Tolkien's characters aren't really amazing, but like, what are, who are 10 characters that I think are particularly well-written or particularly interesting? And then I wanted to see what Caitlin did with them. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. So number nine is Smog. Another one that I would have ranked higher based on my criteria. Because mm-hmm. he's a great bad dragon. <laughs> yeah, so I ranked him as number nine for a couple of reasons. Um, mainly because The Hobbit is my least favorite Tolkien work. Ooh, this is the tea. The real okay. tea with Tolkien. I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> but um, hes I just don't think about smog very often. <laughs> I'm busy thinking about other dragons. <laughs> so I what other I, dragons are on your mind. There are other dragons in the Silmarillion. I'm yeah. I'm just knee deep in the Silmarillion right now. So it's yeah, hard for true. me to even think about the Hobbit. <laughs> so. so the Hobbit is the only one that I've gotten through mm-hmm. um, without issue. But of course, that's because it was written more for children. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's okay. okay. So I mean, that's, that's where my where, reading comprehension is. That's where Tolkien started in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's a perfectly good book. It's just not my favorite. All right. So at number eight, you put Treebeard. I put Treebeard at number eight uh, simply because there isn't a lot of him in the stories. So he is really cool. Obviously, he's a tree who's alive. And he... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I thought he was very cool. Um, I feel a little bit bad that I put him so low, but the other characters you gave me were so good as well. So he had to go somewhere. I know. I really, I did make this tough. Um, And thankfully, this is not the last beard we'll see on the list. (laughs) So don't you worry, Augustine fanboys. Here at number seven is Gimli. Yes, I do love Gimli. I love the bit in The Lord of the Rings when he asks Galadriel for a cup a strand of her hair and she gives him three because that actually has roots back to the I don't think it's in the Silmarillion but it's in like the history of Middle Earth where Feanor asked Galadriel for her hair and she said no and so for a dwarf to ask for this and for her to say yes is just like monumental um Hmm. not to be dramatic no we like but, dramatic here. Yes. So that, <laughs> just thinking of the way that oh, um, cool. the relationship between dwarves and elves are healed after their interaction in the Lord of the Rings, um, mm. I thought it was really special. And so I put him at number seven. Oh, that is cool. See, look at this. Tolkien is so rich. You know what that immediately made me think of as you're explaining this? The woman at the well. Oh. The Samaritan woman. Because there's, there was such a rift there between the Israelites or the Hebrews and the Samaritans, and Jesus went and drank with her and, and healed that, or started Ooh. to heal that at the very least. That's very so, interesting. Yeah. I love That's this. Good. That's good. All right, so at number six, you put Mary and Pippin. Yeah, so they pretty much come together. They're like a package yeah. deal when you talk about characters. I love the way that they um, kind of just embody the idea of friendship. 
and Mm -hmm. its importance, as well as both of these characters have a lot of um, struggles throughout the Lord of the Rings of feeling like baggage or feeling like they're unimportant. Mm -hmm. But then when we get to the end of the story, they honestly have two incredibly important roles and the end of the story wouldn't be the same without them. Um, So I love the way that um, Tolkien like gives them these really special, really important roles in the end. Oh, I love that. Oh, now I love Mary and Pippin a little (laughs) bit more. So at number five, we have our first woman of the list, Eowyn. Yes, Eowyn, she's an incredible character just because of her strength and her the transition that her character goes through in the story because she starts out kind of, she's really just seeking death and seeking like a glorious death because she feels like she doesn't have any other option. But then as the yeah. story goes, her heart changes and she realizes like what her true vocation is and it's to become a healer. And I think the whole arc of her story is really beautiful. And she's so strong. She reminds me of St. Joan of Arc. Also, I know that her movie quote was done very poorly and it's basically anathema uh, to the book. But I seriously, I love shouting, I'm no man, I'm a woman before I chop (laughs) vegetables as I'm making dinner. Yes, it's an iconic quote. It is. And it's too bad that like, it's out of context um, and out of the bigger beauty that the book puts it in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so. do. I almost <laughs> prefer the, the, the drama of the movie when she's just like, I am no man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the book, she's like, Oh, you don't understand. I'm not a man. I'm a woman. <laughs> blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a little it's more a- wordy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it just, yeah. This is one of those moments where, and they're, rare especially when it comes to Tolkien but that translating something to the screen and having to do it a little differently Mm -hmm. works in favor of the text oh yeah that visual just wouldn't have been the same it would oh man Mm -hmm. I remember when I saw it for the first time and the whole theater well I was in we were in the gym at my college the whole place just erupted into like hoops and hollers and, and clapping um, when she said that is what a cool moment, especially for a woman to have and bringing that forward in a film with such intensity, like they did. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. But we gotta, we gotta get back to this top 10. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so back to the men at number four comes Aragorn. Yes. So we love Aragorn. He is a lovely guy. Um, I chose him for number four just because, once again, I'm in the Silmarillion, and we just read the story of Numenor, and Aragorn is a descendant from the Numenorians. And so um, reading the, the story of Numenor is really, really depressing. And But then when you get to the story of Aragorn, it's very redeeming. And so I love the way that he kind of carries his entire lineage with him to like a point of fulfillment. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I sense a theme here, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, I guess characters. so. I guess so. Yeah. Something is broken and then mm. these characters bring it into a fullness, into a, a healing. Yeah. Um, mm. Oh, I love that. Oh. And it's hard not to love Aragorn just in general, but just as the character he is. I'm really a sucker for him. I mean, it's hard not to be, especially in the movies when you have a visual, but you know what? 
it's not no thirst Thursday, but best not to linger. (laughs) (laughs) So coming in at number three is Baron and Luthien. Okay. So Baron and Luthien is actually a story that Tolkien modeled after his own relationship with his wife. Um, Obviously it's like turned into a fairy story, but at his uh, gravestone, he and his wife are buried under the names of Baron and Luthien. So yeah. This story just means a lot to him. And it's also um, the story of Aragorn and Arwen is kind of like a descendant of them in a way um, that it yeah. really follows the same pattern. And yep. um, I also just think uh, the story of Varen and Luthien is probably the best chapter in the Silmarillion. Mm. And you could read it just, well, I don't think you could read it completely by itself because there is a lot of background, but I, I almost feel yeah. like so it's chapter 19 in the Silmarillion. I feel like the first 18 chapters are leading you up to that point. Mm. It's all like prologue. And so um, their story is just like incredible. It's probably the most important story that Tolkien wrote. Oh. In my See, opinion. now now I'm going to, we're going to end this recording and then I'm going to go pull out my copy of the Silmarillion, which you sent me um, and just turn to <laughs> chapter 19. And, well, you can like, just listen to my Get podcast. on with life. about it as well and that'll help you out yeah okay we've only got two left coming in at number two is Gandalf yes okay Gandalf is extremely cool because he isn't actually like a human um Gandalf is one of the Maiar who are essentially like these angelic beings and once you know that about Gandalf I feel like it definitely improves his coolness factor even though he was yeah. already one of the coolest characters um it really just brings him up a couple notches he's not just a wizard like i think we think wizard like harry potter they're humans with powers yeah. but that's not how no. Tolkien wrote these guys because saruman is also one is that yes. correct yeah yeah so look at me i know things yes i'm so happy <laughs> Yep. So it's definitely not like your Harry Potter kind of wizard. They're they're a totally right. separate thing. Okay. So I have a question though. Do you prefer Gandalf as the gray or the white? Ooh. Um. Well, I guess I would have to say Gandalf the white, just because he. So he has a little line where he says like, "I am Saruman," or Saruman as he should have been, and it's it's when he sees that Saruman has is totally abandoned his purpose. And then he kind of come back, comes back in a way um, like to kind of replace him almost. Um, yeah. I don't think replace is the right word, but something similar. Um, yeah. And he's obviously much more powerful as Gandalf the White because he's come back from a, not death, but a death-like situation just since he's not human. He doesn't die in the same right. way as humans. So Right. Yeah, just oh, I like that. much more powerful, and he has like a lot more authority. So the gray Gandalf is my favorite, but that's probably only because I look better in gray than I do in white. <laughs> yeah. So okay. <laughs> All right, I'm dying to know who's your number one. Wait, mm-hmm. I'm not really dying. I already know <laughs> because I gave you the characters. But everyone else <laughs> is dying. Else yeah. So who's your number one? Okay, it is Galadriel. Yes. She is just an absolute boss. Yeah, that she yeah. is incredible. I think so. In one of Tolkien's letters, he actually um, 
acknowledges the similarities between her and Mary. And Mm -hmm. I really love the way that the people who made the Lord of the Rings movies didn't shy away from that because if, I mean, just look at her. Yeah. She looks extremely Marian's just the, the posture and the way she stands and just a lot about her. So I really appreciate the symbolism there. Obviously they're not meant to be a parallel of course, but, um, I really appreciate that. But then once again, back to the Silmarillion, um, she, she plays a huge role and Feanor, who's the one who created the Silmarils, she is his niece. And so just thinking about that and how much she's seen, she, she used to live in the blessed realm, which is the undying lands. Um, if you'll see the Lord of the Rings, that's where they go in the end of the movie. Um, so she used to live there. And so everything from she was there before the sun was made and so she is just just an incredible character I think um which is so much history and knowledge and power and I think she's really really cool that's awesome and okay well thank you Caitlin so much for joining us tonight um I'm so glad you were here I, you, all my listeners you better be glad too or else Um, yeah that's right that's (laughs) Um, right Make sure to look up Caitlin online and see all the amazing things she's up to in bringing Tolkien and therefore Catholicism to the world. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank you. Finally, this week's weird saint is St. John the Evangelist, who's Tolkien's favorite. John the Evangelist was also John the Apostle, a.k.a. the disciple whom Jesus loved. Pretty nice station in life, don't you think? This John was also the first disciple of John the Baptist's. All the Johns hang together. We're all gonna hang together, you and me forever. You're the one I treasure together, together. John the Evangelist wrote the Gospel according to St. John, and the book of Revelation. St. John also made sure to point out that he got to the tomb before Peter did on Easter. Gotta love a man with some sass. But he was also supremely humble, and he was the only disciple to follow Jesus all the way to the cross. For these reasons, St. John the Evangelist is a bona fide badass. We celebrate this sassy pants on December 27th, which is the third day of Christmastide right behind St. Stephen the First Martyr, and right in front of the Holy Innocents. Thanks for tuning in tonight for another episode of Up Too Late, a Grexley podcast. Find this podcast and others at grexley.com. Tune in every Friday this summer for lots of guests, fun, and giveaways. Too much summer, too much fun, up too late. A special thanks to Caitlin for joining us tonight, and to J.R.R. Tolkien for giving us such wonderful literature. You can always find me on Twitter at Teresa Zoe, and sometimes on Instagram and Facebook at Teresa Zoe Williams. If you like this show, if you like me, please consider becoming a supporter on Patreon at patreon.com slash Teresa Zoe, and get access to extra content like bloopers, behind the scenes, um, let's see maybe merch, maybe free things. 
all kinds of goodness. And I'll always give you guys on Patreon a heads up to what's coming in the R lineups. God blessing keep you. Sleep well and have sweet dreams. May your guardian angel be close at hand. And Mama Mary wrap you in her mantle. Go to sleep!